Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unstoppable. I'm so excited to have you here. And my name is Jen. I'm your host. I'm a self-sabotage and transformational mindset coach. I help female entrepreneurs just like you move from fear and self-sabotage to completely owning who they are and becoming unstoppable. This program, this episode is proudly sponsored by my mastermind, where you are going to unleash the woman you were born to be. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Becoming Unstoppable. I'm your host, Jen Parker, and today we have Lee on the podcast. And Lee went from being an amazing chocolatier, I am so excited to hear more about that, to a video educator and podcaster herself. So I'd love to hear more about Lee. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's an absolute delight to be here. And one of the things that just blows my mind is I'm still in yesterday because I'm based in Scotland and you're in a whole different day, which is just amazing. Yeah, that's right. It's Tuesday morning here in Australia and it's Monday afternoon. Evening. Evening. Evening Monday evening. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. So I'm really from the future. So there you go. (laughs) That's it. Maybe I should ask you for the lottery ticket numbers. Yeah. And that would help me out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then if you don't hear back, you're like, damn, she she took those numbers. (laughs) Not on, is it? So I'd love to know a bit more about, yeah, how you went from being a chocolatier to, you know, doing sort of video production and what that actually means. In in some ways, it's just been a huge big circle because originally when I was at college and university, my background was in television and radio production. So my background originally was in radio and I did my degree and I went into teaching. So rather than actually working in the industry particularly, I went in as a college lecturer. So I was teaching 16 to 19 year olds how to make videos and and how to create radio programs. Now this was actually back in the last millennium, which makes me sound about 107. And some days I feel about 107, but yeah, way back when, that's how I started off. I was a teacher. So I came out of that and Um, I was actually based in Manchester at the time. I relocated up to Scotland for a job working with local government. And um, I actually brought my chocolate business with me. Now, I wasn't intending to have a chocolate business. What happened was when I was on maternity leave with my eldest, I was doing lots of bits of craft work because it kept me sane. And uh, me and my mum, we would go and do craft fairs and things. And certainly within where we were in the UK, the same group of people would go to the same events. You'd meet up with people because there's only so many people, there's only so many events. So you'd bump into the same people. And one of the ladies I knew said, do you know anybody that can make handmade chocolate? Well, I've done everything else. So I went, yeah, me, we'll do that, that's fine. Found out it was a lot more difficult than I anticipated, ended up going to do formal training. So that's how I got into chocolate work was completely by accident because of that entrepreneurial mindset that goes, yes, I can do that. And then you work it out later. So I started with the chocolate work and that developed. But again, like a lot of times with business owners, I was working full time alongside doing the the entrepreneurial hustle as well. Uh, Moved up to Scotland, carried on doing the chocolate work, but it was just shy of our 10 year anniversary. And 
um, without wishing to make it sound like a sob story, my, my world kind of imploded. My marriage broke up. My husband and my youngest son moved 400 miles away. I was left with a business that I needed to close and two of the older children. Um, so everything changed. I closed down the business and a friend of mine said, I need somebody to manage my IT shop. Can you do that? Well, I've got retail experience. My background is technical. I said, yes, I'll, I'll give it a shot. He wasn't asking me to be a technician. It was the retail management business development side of things, which, you know, I had the skill set for. So I did. And I went in and one of the things that was really clear, having had my own business and having been involved in other businesses, was this business that I was brought into wasn't viable. So what we did was work towards closing gracefully because the way that it had been set up meant that there were so many problems and so many difficulties that actually it wasn't overcomable. So one of the difficulties was there was a £100,000 gratuity on the business because the business was in the same location as another IT business had been. Different name, different staff, but because it was the location, the owner had done a £100,000 handshake, which was nowhere worth that. So what we decided to do was actually close that business because I started at the business and the owner basically stopped turning up. Um, and I thought, you know what, actually the scope to do this, the, I think that Elgin, which is where I live, needs an IT place, a computer repair shop that is open, that is accountable, that is transparent. Because as a female working in IT, I'm, I'm a rare breed. There's less than 40% of jobs are taken by women. Less than 9% are in the, the sort of garage end of the technical of being a technician. And I could see the IT shops were either white and shiny like Apple, slat wall that's so full of components that most people don't know what they are, so it's completely intimidating, or it looks like the back end of somebody's garage that's not been touched in 20 years. And I knew that I wanted to create something that was open and accessible regardless of gender, age, ability. So it didn't matter if you were a 12 year old gamer who kind of wanted to know where you were going or a 96 year old gentleman that's keeping his Apple Mac going and all points in between. So we created IT Central, which was, has always been about people. We're very much about removing technology as a barrier but the point of it is that it's people first, technology second. When lockdown happened in March of 2020, I took on courses because I thought I want to develop the business. I want to change the way that we do things. I want to be able to offer online training. And what I found from doing the courses is that the number of people that can't get past being on camera they're like, I've got a great idea for a course, but you need to be on video. So that's a non-starter. And what I really thought initially was that people were lacking the skill set to be able to film and to be able to edit. And in some ways, that's not incorrect. But there's actually a stage before that. And what I find is people are either too scared to show the face on camera. They think you need a gazillion dollar budget or they think you have to be super technical. and a lot of my work is to actually dispel those myths and it was out of that that the video production academy 
uh, was born. So now I have a split week where Monday to Wednesday morning is IT and Wednesday afternoon to Friday is video production work, which is an interesting way of working things. I think I should have different colour hats, blue one for the beginning of the week and a pink one for the end of the week and then I know what I'm doing. Um, but it took me back round to that initial thing of teaching people video production. And here I am, nearly 30 years later, teaching video production to people. And it's not analog cameras now, it's iPhones. And it's not big editing studios, it's laptops. And so the world has changed, certainly within video work, beyond recognition. But the thing I love is anybody can do it now, anybody. If you've got a webcam or a phone or a laptop, you can do it. Mm. The only thing that you need to do is get over yourself to yes. be able to make that start. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people are, they want to grow their business, but they're not consistently showing up. And people, when people can see your face, they feel like they already know you, even though they don't. <laughs> They, 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 they just have that like, know and trust factor when they can see someone on camera, you know, it's building that rapport, it's building those connections. And you're so rightly, I think a lot of people, and I've had many conversations with a lot of people where they're so fearful of putting themselves out there, number one, and two, been on camera oh that's not for me and so what happens is they don't do anything they're so paralyzed by fear is they actually don't do a thing instead of going um I remember hearing someone and they said if you're gaining your confidence for being on camera maybe just be the narrator first and show some you know, maybe like your workspace, just so you, you know, you're building up that um, confidence. And I think it it's where you start is not where you end up. It's a journey. Do you think it's sort of like a journey on people's confidence? Because when I started, it took many times before I was like, oh, okay, that's good. And I look back and go, oh my goodness. <laughs> But it's all the journey and I'm so grateful that I just was consistent and I just did it anyway. Well, when I started off, I mean, it, people don't believe me when I say this because I am confident on camera now. But if you've done your Myers-Briggs and the 16 personalities, I'm an INFJ. I'm as, as introverted as you can get. Like still, if you put me in a room of people now, I'm the one in the corner nearest the door waiting to leave because it's just so far out of my comfort zone. And I made a decision the beginning of lockdown that I had to show up for my business because being on video is the next best thing to meeting somebody in person. So if I'm in my shop, you can meet me and I can meet you. But you can't work like that when it, it's online. So you have to do it via video and it's your next best thing. So I thought I need to show up for my business. So I thought, I know I'll do Facebook lives. Well, the first couple I did, I was like a wooden top. I was monotone. I was bright red. It was awful. And I'm glad to say the videos no longer exist. Um, they were set fire to a long time ago. But I knew from looking at that, I thought, this is awful. I've got to do better. So 
I decided that I would do 30 days straight. And I did 30 Facebook Lives every day for a month. And after day three or four, I stopped trying to make it be perfect. And I relaxed. And by the end of the 30 days, I was in a completely different place than I was on day one. Now, I wouldn't suggest that, that was necessarily a way to go because it was like a baptism of fire. And it was a bit like, I'm going to eat the hottest chili I can and I'm going to eat chili every day. <laughs> you know, it was uncomfortable. It was kind of painful. Um, but it got there. And it was the start of a journey. And I'm now two and a half years in. I speak on other people's podcasts, on other people's stages. I'm a summit speaker. I'm a guest speaker. And it's only because I took that first step to overcome the inertia. Because if I hadn't done it, I would still be biting my nails going, I know I really need to show up for my business, but I don't like being on camera. There are no photographs of me from being about 13 until quite recently, because I dislike the way that I look so much that I wouldn't even be on camera. And I come from an area in the UK called Lancashire. We have really flat vowels. So I sound, to me, I sound like a country bumpkin. I sound like a right yokel. And I, I don't like my accent. But then I speak to people overseas who are like, oh, but I love your accent. You have a lovely accent. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> the, the, the point being, what you see and what other people see and hear is completely different. We are so self-critical that we look and go, oh, my hair looks like that. Oh, my goodness, I've got wrinkles. Oh, I look my age, oh, this, that, and the other. And I hear my voice and I hear my accent. And of course, when you hear it back, it sounds completely different because when you hear your voice inside yourself, you have the resonance of your bone structure. So it sounds deeper to you. And then you watch it back and it is very cringy, incredibly cringy. But what I would suggest people do is actually desensitize themselves by watch yourself until you stop cringing, because you can't start to work properly until you stop being overly critical. Mm. So if all you're doing is looking at yourself and going, why is my hair sticking out like that? Why do I sound like that? What was I thinking? What was I wearing? And you know, all that self-talk that goes on, you miss the fact that you've actually just done a great presentation. And people love you for your individuality and for your uniqueness. So people love the fact that I'm from Lancashire and I've got a quirky accent. People love the fact that I've got white hair, even though I'm not at an age where I should have white hair. This is what having three kids with special needs does to you. That was a joke, by the way. Um, so it's, I think the biggest thing is getting over that inertia and getting out of your own comfort zone because that's where the growth happens. Mm. If you stay in your own little bubble, people won't get to hear the message that you have for them. So you're doing them a disservice because they need to know what it is that you've got to deliver. And actually you stop people from being able to love you for the person that you are, because being authentic and being, being congru congruent with yourself is, is vital because people will resonate with that. So people will resonate with me because I've got three kids that are on the autistic spectrum or they'll resonate with me because I live in Scotland or they'll resonate. You know, there's all these different things that people will key into. And I know I do that with other people that, you know, I like that particular person because they live in Cheshire, which is where I used to live. 
they I like that person because they're really tall and I know it sounds stupid but I'm really tall and so you know it's something that resonates with me so there's different things that you will key into and you know you need to let people do that and you need to let people connect with you Mm, yeah absolutely um what do you think is sort of because a lot of the time there's so much fear that people have about not looking good and you know like sometimes you do you think oh that was amazing and then you hear back and go oh I sound so different do I really sound like that and I think that's really a great thing to say Lee is be able to listen back and look at it almost from a reflective perspective, non-judgment, because sometimes we go, oh, my God, my hair didn't look good. Instead of that, just going, well, did I, you know, how was my tonality? How was I able to capture? How was I able to really um, spark interest? Was I, was I all monotone? So I think it's really important to come from that reflective perspective of the actual content and how you delivered and you know were you you know cap, you know or were you sort of when you were delivering the information were you sort of like oh you know I hope you're really good today everyone you know you're sounding like a mouse and everyone's like what did she say I can't hear her so you know everything is progress it's all part of the journey isn't it absolutely and energy is such a big thing mm. because the screen is two-dimensional you actually have to give off more energy mm. than you would in real life. And that can be really difficult, especially if you're an introvert. Mm. Because I, I have friends who are extroverts who are total jazz hands and they're out there and they're gregarious. And, and I don't have that. And I think part of the journey is coming to terms with who you are and what works for you. Mm. So I, I'm never going to do TikTok dances. I'm never going to be Instagram perfect. What you're going to get is me. And if you love me, great. And if you don't, I'm not offended because I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Mm. But what you get is real and what you get is me. Yeah. Oh, so powerful because I think a lot of the time there's that only a couple of weeks ago, I did a, a, a Facebook live training about the fear of being disliked. And it's such a thing that people are so afraid of what others are going to say is they won't take action. They won't do that video. Oh, what if I get it wrong? And a lot of the time people are worried about what some random person on Facebook or in the world will say when, yeah, you might get it wrong sometimes. And that's okay too, because it's all growth. And when you're coming from that curious growth mindset of, gosh, I did get it wrong, or I didn't have all the facts, or you know what? This is actually my perspective and that's what I believe and that's okay too, you know. So I think that's something to keep in mind when we are not just delivering information via video but being very opinionated in posts because that's when people are like, oh, okay, you either like it or you don't. But sometimes when you're like, really standing strong in your message and you're really going you know what this is me if you don't like me go so I can have more people that are more aligned um yeah and sometimes I'm always sometimes always when I'm like okay this is going to ruffle people's feathers and I'm like 
nah, not nothing. And sometimes you you're like, oh, that that didn't do anything. Okay. Um, and then sometimes you don't some someone misconstrued information, and that can um, because they may have been going through something. So always when you're doing sharing a part of you, not everyone's going to agree. And that's okay too. And I think it is a journey of self-discovery. And yeah, I think a lot of the time it can really hold us back and contract us so much because we're fearful, but we're letting it someone else dictate how we live our life. And we're letting our fears be the motivator rather than our values. Oh, 100%. Couldn't agree more. I think that's one of the joyous things of being on the other side of 40. Because I, I think I definitely care less now than I did. And it, it's one of those things you're never going to be liked by everybody. And I think you kind of have to have a so what attitude. Now, I'm not saying people should go out and be nasty or rude or so polarizing as to be offensive. But if you are genuinely authentic yourself, then you're going to make friends and you're going to repel people. And that's okay. That's not a problem because that's life nobody attracts everybody Mm. yeah absolutely and often when we're you know we're speaking our truth and we're always coming from that loving perspective we are going to attract people who go oh my gosh she's speaking my language is she speaking to me was that to me um I think she's referring to me here oh and then you'll get people who are like I don't like it. Or sometimes what happens is people are very triggered. So what happens is they get a very negative response in their body and they go into a very defensive mode and they, instead of processing those big emotions and what's actually happening and like going, why am I triggered? They lash out, not sitting with that. So sometimes people are lashing out before they've processed. And a lot of people aren't they don't have the emotional capability and awareness. And so they've never known how to deal with big emotions. So when they're triggered, they go, oh, well, that, it's that person's fault instead of, oh, that's interesting. I think I'm feeling a bit of, you know, jealousy because they're doing so well or what they appear to do on social media. Um, okay. It's just showing me that I want it even more. So, okay, let's celebrate um, I went to this big manifestation event a couple of weeks ago and how much people find it so hard to celebrate other people's successes and wins because we think that when someone's winning, oh, well, that's less for me. And so it's like celebrate even if someone's just done something small and celebrate with that because there's going to be more of that. You're basically saying to the universe, um, I'm celebrating everyone who's winning and how often people are sort of scrolling through, not even um, making judgments, but not really coming to the, geez, they've got a courage code. They've got the courage to actually do a video or just show up and share a part of them that that takes you know strength so 
yeah I just wanted to share that because I was like oh yeah yeah um what, what do you think is the big difference between you know what's the big difference between a video and a photo how do people go oh I trust you more in a video compared to just a photo when you look at a photo as a viewer you have to fill in so much information how does that person sound? What happens when that person turns sideways? You know, and you see a profile, you see a difference with it. And you can't see mannerisms, you can't hear intonation. And so I would say that it's very one dimensional. So you can look at a photograph and you can get a lot out of it. But it's a little bit like reading a book where you fill in all the bits that are missing. And if you consider audio only as an example, if you listen to something and then you see the actor behind it, you go, oh, I didn't think they'd look like that. Or a radio presenter, oh, I didn't think they'd look like that. And it's the same with video as well. You've got the picture, but you don't know how it's going to move and react and change and develop. So it's it's if a picture paints a thousand words, then video must do a million, you know, because it's just so much more energy, content, everything about it. So it's the next best thing to being somewhere in person. And the wonder of things like Zoom is it's two way as well. Now, obviously, if you're doing Facebook lives, it can be two way to a degree. If it's Zoom, it can definitely be two way. But if it's pre-recorded content, it's kind of a little bit more one way because you're delivering the content. But without that movement, without that energy, most of the information is missing. Mm. Yeah, and I think when people are looking at a picture and they're trying to see if they can relate and resonate with your message and and, and and let's be honest, a lot of the time when we're getting pictures, they're branding pictures. So they're, you know. They're not real. They're looks, you know, that's right. They're not real. You know, we've got a photographer. The hair's been sorted. The makeup, you know, we, we might have something new as well. And so it's just always been mindful of, you know, that comparison of like, a beautiful picture and some people even get their pictures airbrushed and things and so when we're coming from that perspective of doing videos you know there's a lot of people that always say oh I see your stuff all the time <laughs> so you know you're you're popping up if you're doing videos and content you're um, being front of mind for people yeah. when they're making a buying decision would you say Absolutely. I think one of the, the slightly oddball things with doing video is people feel like they know you almost and sometimes to the extent where they really feel like they know you. So a friend of mine is the whiskey minister. So he is a church pastor, but he's also a whiskey educator. So <laughs> I know it's quite a combination. And he, he does Facebook lives all the time and he teaches literally around the world in person and online. And he was sat having a cup of coffee one day and this guy he doesn't know comes in and this guy's like, Vic, hi, how are you? And Vic's like, I don't think I know you. I'm fine, thank you, how are you? And he's, he's trying to process going, where do I know you from? And he's not placing him. And then this guy goes, I watch your videos all the time. 
So Fick has never met this bloke in his entire life, but this guy has seen him on video and therefore feels like he knows him. Yeah. So there's a gap that's breached there that's actually bridged to say, you know, and I couldn't I couldn't walk up to somebody where I'd seen a photograph of them and go, oh, I know you. But video is different. It does bridge that gap so much more. I think Vic dealt with it beautifully. I'm not sure I would have been quite so calm. I think I would have been slightly freaked. Um, <laughs> but he dealt, he dealt with it ever so well, very graciously. And you know the bit where somebody's saying hello to you and you haven't got a clue who it is and you think, I'll work it out later. So, you know, that's what he did. But yeah, this guy said, oh, I've seen you on video. So he knew it was. Yeah, there you go. Instant fame of you know you can people recognizing you and going oh I watch all your videos and I'm your top fan so there's sometimes we've got the fans that we don't even know they're fans they're sort of watching admiring in the background yes because you're doing what they want to do but they've not been brave enough to do it yet yes absolutely there's there's so much courage in all of that, especially being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I love how you were talking, Lee, earlier about, you know, you're you like, I'm just going to open up a, a chocolate business and do that. And then when that didn't, you know, <clears throat> didn't work, you were able yeah. to just go, okay, you're able to adapt to the, to the environment. Do you think that's a big thing for entrepreneurial shit? Oh, 100%. I mean, even like with my IT business, we've just celebrated our seventh birthday a couple of months ago. That does not look like it did when we started seven years ago. The Video Production Academy is less than two years old. It already doesn't look like it did at the beginning because you have to respond to what's out there. You look at the businesses that don't respond. Blockbuster, where are they? Oh, yeah, they've gone. Kodak. Oh, they didn't work very well. Where have they gone? And so you look at these um, businesses that were huge, but Blockbuster was videos and it just about managed to get to DVD, but it couldn't adapt to streaming. So it went out of business. Kodak didn't think that digital cameras were going to stay. They thought film was forever, but it wasn't. So they lost the business. If you don't adapt and change and listen to what your audience wants and deliver what they want, then you don't have a business, mm. you'll go under. Mm. So you always have to change, pivot, adapt, iterate, but always from a position of listening to be able to succeed. You look at businesses like IBM. So IBM was really at the forefront of computer development. Um, way back in the 70s, I think it was, they were the go-to place for, for computers. There were other little manufacturers, but they were the ones. They sold out their computer development division to Lenovo. And now the only thing that IBM do is work on an artificial intelligence software. So when you are speaking on the phone and it's a robot return, then that is IBM software. It's called Watson. So it went from having these huge, great mainframe machines to now developing artificial intelligence. That's a huge swing. And you... There was no way that they could have looked at it in the beginning when they were still working on huge tapes and going, do you know, in 50 years time, we'll be doing artificial intelligence. They wouldn't have had the language for that. 
But what they had to do is watch and see how is technology developing? How are people developing? What is it they're going to need? Mm. What is it we need to get rid of? Where's the dying markets that we need to get rid of? And then move in and keep moving forward. Because if you're working with a dying market, then you're never going to succeed. You can work with newspapers, for example, and be the best newspaper salesperson that there is in the world. But newspapers are declining 25% year on year. Newspapers will disappear. So if that's your market, doesn't matter what you do, you can't succeed in it because it's declining. Mm. So you have to be in a market that is growing or move into a market that's growing. Yeah, absolutely. There's the thing of sell people what they want, not what they need. And, you know, sometimes it's, you're like, oh, but they don't need, they think they need this and let, you know, people want more money or better relationships, but it's like, but what they need is to feel good about themselves so they can have more money and they can attract relationships and they can have a thriving business. But I've heard it said quite differently. What's that? I've heard it said slightly differently. Give them what they want and sell them what they need. Ah, yes. Because it's like selling the sizzle, not the sausage. Yeah. Or selling the, the destination, not the air flight. So it's about giving them what it is that they want and then you can work on what it is that they need. Yes. And sometimes people don't really know what they're, the real need is it's marked because you don't know what you don't know (laughs) exactly yeah when you're sort of you don't have the awareness of all of these things until you start going and you go oh wow and when I started doing you know my study and you know I did social work for many years and I was like oh the more I know the less I know so I always felt like you're never going to know it all And there is always just coming from that really curious perspective that how I deliver it is going to be different from someone else. And that is the power, I think. So, yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, Yeah, well, gosh, thank you so much for sharing all of your nuggets of wisdom and really the importance of how being on video can really support you in your business. And, but it's also, we think it's for our business, but it also has other effects on how we feel about ourselves, do you think? Oh, yes. I am so much more confident in myself now than I was a couple of years ago. When I started on that video journey, I had no idea the doors it would open or the effect it would have because it does change the way that things happen and the way that you can attack things and develop things and respond to things so I I definitely think that getting out of your comfort zone and being prepared to do things that stretch you will open doors that you never knew existed Mm. oh absolutely and it's all a journey it's sometimes being on the entrepreneurial train is almost like the biggest self-development journey you will ever go through so if you want a really deep hitting self-development journey where you go from you know all highs and lows up on the train because a lot of and a lot of the time people don't know they want to hop on it but it's usually 
a life that they didn't want previously. Like for me, I was a social worker. I was burnt out. I wanted to spend more time with my kids. And I just felt like I was losing myself. And, you know, I would be, I, I would ha- I would have been almost at work by now, if not now, you know, almost at seven o'clock in the morning and leaving my two young boys off at daycare. It was just heartbreaking. And then I was realizing that I was just losing, burning myself out. And so that's where it wasn't something where I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. It was, okay, I'll do coaching. And then there's always, it's not just the element of what we want to do as an entrepreneur and, you know, being a videographer and doing all of that stuff and amazingness. It's, all the other elements of business as well. And that's where it is a journey and just coming from that kind perspective because we don't know what we don't know. And there are so many people like yourself, Lee, who can help people. And yeah, it's just keeping that in mind. I think that's really important because we can look at someone and go, oh my gosh, look at Lee's videos. And it's like, yeah, but that's what I do. That's my job. That's what I do for people. So <laughs> it's very easy to look at someone and then you're like, oh, wow, they're doing it. And it's like, but I can teach you how to do that. So yeah. Well, so I never set out to be a video confidence coach. I never thought that I would teach people how to be confident. It wasn't on my radar. I thought I'd be teaching people editing and camera work. But it's not what people needed first. You have to go with what they need first. And they need to feel confident and they need to feel comfortable on camera. And we'll deal with the rest later. Mm, Amazing. Uh, Well, thank you again, Lee, for coming on the Becoming Unstoppable podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here. And for those who want to follow more of your journey, what's the best way they can contact you? We have a website, which is videoproductionacademy.co.uk. I'm also on Instagram and uh, Facebook. So if you look for Video Production Academy, you should find me in one way or another. Yeah. And what we'll do is we'll put all of the links in the show notes as well. So people are able to just click on very with ease as well. So thank you again, Lee. No, thank you for having me.